Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan. And here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Now to a story about writing stories, no matter how well you spell. The message in our next guest's new book, My Story, which is spelt with two E's at the end, is don't let bad spelling get in the way of a good story. Paul Russell is the author here. He wants children to get their creative ideas down and to enjoy their writing no matter the rules. They can come later, he says. The little boy in his book loves to write and is big on ideas, but these evaporate at school with a teacher's red pen through a misspelt word, gives him what's tantamount to writer's block. A teacher himself, Paul also has dyslexia and knows from first-hand experience the benefit of a teacher who says not to worry about the words. You can go back and correct them later. Paul is with us from Newcastle. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You're almost subversive in some ways with actually including the misspellings, which is delightful, because, of course, that's what children do. When you're reading these stories, it'll be full of of, uh, spelling um, errors or or spelling that is um, on its way to accuracy, if we can put it that way. But to actually include them in a published book is, is brave. And was this about really bringing home the point? I think it was one of those things. It was very hard to tell children it's okay to have spelling mistakes in writing and then publish a book that didn't have that. So I thought it was fair if we were going to tell kids it was okay to make spelling mistakes to actually make them ourselves. For what age is this book? Well, it's interesting. So we wrote it originally for sort of, I guess, sort of five-year-olds sort of up, but sort of at the moment, the biggest hit I'm sort of having is children of sort of those year two, year three, sort of that eight, nine-year-olds who are sort of already discovering that they're having those trouble and really enjoying reading the book. And there's some big words in there too. Um, unicorn, detectives, robotics. So it's not, as we said, it's not for the um, absolute beginner, not when they're imagining writing the story anyway. It is a message, I think. It's it's a message that's expressed verbally, isn't it? Don't worry too much about the spelling. But is it not what happens in practice? And practice um, can... Grown-ups often not help themselves and get focused on this word has an E or this word has a this or, or, or this has a K on the end rather than just letting, as you say, that love of writing and telling a story happen. I think it's really hard for adults to sort of help children a lot of the time. And I think spelling is one of those things that adults can see straight away and go, oh, I can help them with that. And when I was growing up, it was one of those things where people would always try and correct my spelling to try to help my writing. And I never have ever looked at a word, crossed out in one of my words and written correctly above it and gone, oh, that's how I spelled that and remembered it. But I always sort of felt as a child, oh, maybe my writing's not as good because it would come back with all those words crossed out and words read over it. Do teachers still do that? Do they still put red lines through things and correct spelling that way? I think often they do. And I think it's one of those things where not only teachers, but parents as well. I I think it's one of those things where they still try and see it as that form of encouragement of, oh, let's look at it inclusively. We're looking at the writing, but let's look at the spelling as well at the same time because everyone's time poor and has that limited time to spend with their child or with those students. And so when they get that writing sample, that's a chance to, oh, let's look at their spelling at the same time and try and fix those spelling errors that are there. It actually goes to a wider 
temptation, I think. But the you know the, the the writing and developing that love of story is so important. I understand why we focus on it. But it's a temptation full stop, isn't it? Always when a child's using their imagination to say, oh no, you know, the moon looks like that because, or um, the plants do this because. And it's like we want to, we want to give them a lovely, delightful, factual, um, you know, perfect explanation for everything. Whereas really letting that imagination flow and that love of creativity flow um, is much more beneficial in those younger ages. And it's, it's almost impossible from a teaching point of view to teach a child to be creative. It's one of those things where it's really hard to try to teach that creativity when children already have it. Children start with those creative ideas and even a child that I'll have older who is really reluctant to write and when they're actually reluctant to write, it normally means they're reluctant to spell and to use grammar and structure because if you talk to them, they will tell you the most amazing ideas and most amazing stories and they will adapt other stories they've heard and they will modify those stories. And it's one of those things where children innately are storytellers and I think a lot of the time schools will sort of beat that out of them with making it have to be correct and perfect and structured and spelling is one of those things. The spelling areas themselves, it's interesting with your own story, um, having dyslexia, other mistakes, here we go, is the spelling that you use here reflective of what a, a child with dyslexia may see? Is there a real logic to the way you've designed the book? Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the things that we did was we made all the spelling errors phonetically correct. So um, what I found with children who have dyslexia, but just children who are struggling with reading, often find this book easier to read. And it's one of those things where children that are not really confident readers will still be sounding out each word as they go. And children that are really confident will sort of, they'll have seen the word before, so they'll know it instantly. And I found that children that are really strong readers will actually stop and actually look at all the words in this book and have to try to figure out what they are, where children who aren't confident readers will happily sound out the words each time and read it quite fluently. It's interesting. It almost inverses the experience, inverts the experience, Yeah, rather. which has been wonderful. <laughs> what warnings have you had, though? I mean, it's interesting... Um, what, it's interesting where people will go, well, again, this idea of a published book, like it must be right. And has anyone yeah, said, look, is it possible a child is going to spell story with two E's forever um, or, or flooded F-L-U-D-E-D forever because they've read this book? Have you had people saying this is going a step too far? I've had, it's interesting, I have a few teachers that I, because being a teacher myself, I've had a few teachers that have sort of had that idea before they've read the book. And they sort of, they have that notion of, oh, we can't do that and that can't happen. But once they see the book in print, once they actually see it, I haven't had that feedback at all. I've actually had a lot of really positive things about that idea of looking at the words. And even the words that are spelt wrong, there's that conversation there to, well, how do we spell that? And why might that word be spelt like that? And English is one of those languages that is horrible for trying to have rules. And so looking at words like love spelled the has all the sounds. And then actually talking about, well, there's another way to spell that can actually start a conversation on spelling as well. The way the book unfolds too, at one point we get to the, the to the guts of things, don't we? At school, I don't like to write and the spelling is correct, but the yeah. corrections are in red. And from that point, um, you know, from that point through to the book, we're really into the gist of it. Reading it, the children themselves, do they do identify? What sort of feedback have you had from them? Are they getting the story as well as seeing, you know, the, the different spellings in print? 
it's interesting. It's sort of the younger audience is sort of my, when I look at sort of uh, four to sort of six and seven year olds are just enjoying the story. And, and I will often I'll read it to them or the teachers will read it to them and they'll talk about the story and how these teachers can make an influence and make them happy at school and, the, and those sort of things and that teachers can make me confident. And it's the older children who are often quite reluctant readers by this stage and sort of those 10 or 11 year olds who don't like to write and don't like to read who are actually seeing it and suddenly identifying and sort of telling those stories of, oh, I liked to write when I was younger, but now I don't like it very much. Or I used to read a lot of books and now I don't really like reading very much. And it's those sort of conversations that are amazing. But even I've done a few radio interviews and sort of gotten messages afterwards from adults sort of saying, that was my experience at school. That was sort of what I did. And, and these are the things I'm doing now to get around this, which is really interesting as well. The, there's a progression too. Towards the end of the book, we see more and more correct spellings of bigger and longer words and the apostrophes are landing in the right place. And there are still some uh, misspelt words but and, and, and they're bolded so that we can see that they are, but they're fewer and fewer. And is this also the idea of the book? In time, trust, the spelling will come. And I think one of the biggest things that I had and sort of the inspiration for this story was I had a teacher in high school who said to me, you're actually quite a good writer. If you get good enough, you can pay someone to fix your spelling. And it was that simple sentence that actually gave me the confidence a lot to keep writing. And I've looked back at my life and I've thought, I'm fairly dyslexic. I spell horribly. If I read words, I'll jumble them up. That sort of thing will happen all the time. But I've been able to get past that. And I sort of have a couple of university degrees. I've sort of been teaching for almost 20 years. I've sort of got, this is my fifth book I've sort of published. And it's one of those things where I passionately enjoy storytelling and writing. And I so often hear in children, oh, I hate writing. And when I hear that and I actually talk to them, it's not the writing they hate. It's the idea that they're going to get things wrong or the idea that they can't write and not that they can't tell stories. What was your own experience then? Because many people don't end up with two degrees and becoming teachers, um, which really seems to be a double torture in some ways, doesn't it? Um, yeah. but, but So what was different for you? Was your dyslexia identified early, by the way? What, what was the... What was no, the... I, I didn't... My dyslexia wasn't actually identified until I was already a teacher, and wow. I actually had a student that I knew was dyslexic, and I was trying to convince his parents that we need to do something about this, and there's something we can do. And I went through all the testing with him and suddenly said, hey, I do that, I do that, I do that. <laughs> and... It was just that when I was going through school, almost every report card would say, Paul has a great imagination, but needs to work on his spelling. And it was just a continual sort of thing. And it was just one of those things where stubbornly, I just enjoyed writing so much that I kept doing it. And I like the character in the book, and it's very much my story. I would go home and write and write and write. And at school, I discovered if I wrote less, there'd be less for teachers to cross out. There'd be less editing they could do and so I would always have that thing where I know the perfect word but I don't know how to spell that so I will change and use something else and the biggest change I've had in modern time is technology and the, the fact that I have it in my hand I have it you know a dictionary a thesaurus and everything else straight away and I can use technology so much better and I still when I write I will just write and I'll worry about the spelling later and I'll go back and worry about it later because the ideas is one of those things that are so important. It's interesting you kept loving writing and you would do it at home. Is that, again, not necessarily the way this is going to work? Sometimes that stress that a child might feel in the classroom is going to put them off, uh, even in their own time, endeavouring. 
And absolutely, it so does. And one of the things behind writing this book was trying to share my story for those students that don't get that teacher that believes them or that teacher that finds the way to actually reach that child. And I've been exceptionally lucky with some amazing teachers that actually encouraged me, even though I had this downfall. And one of those things where when I was at university, I still had these teachers that would actually go through and help me structure out essays after I would write them because it was just the spelling little things that would come back. And even then, it wasn't actually seen as dyslexia. It was just seen as, well, this is something we can work on. What and do, spelling is one of those things we can always work on. Sorry. I was going to say, when do we work on it? It's interesting. I just had a, 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 some feedback from an emailer, and this was before we even began our conversation, about writing and spelling and saying this is what teachers have told concerned parents, although interestingly it's got a typo, it's patent, so there you go, (laughs) have told concerned parents about spelling. I've seen this approach at primary, but believe it leaves gaps at high school with poor spelling and is not remedied. There are basic word lists that should be learnt at primary. I've also seen the lack of phonics in the past at primary school, unpopular for a time, but back in vogue now, impact on high school students. But let's, let's talk to the earlier case. If it can be dealt with later, when and how? Well, it's one of those things where I, I don't. I think spelling is important, but it's one of those things where I think that it can be taught separately to writing. And I think often the fact of writing impacting spelling and spelling in fact writing it becomes this big block for children. And I think definitely phonetic development is really important in children. And some children will pick it up, and some children will just go amazingly with it straight away. But some children won't. And I think the problem is as we sort of get to that year three, year four level where it can just be their spelling. It can just be their structure of writing that's actually holding them back. And it starts holding back everything. And at a certain point, we have to go, okay, let's leave that and let's try and build everything else. Let's try and build your creativity, try and build your storytelling, try and build your structure around that. And then we'll look at things like technology where we can talk to apps and tell us how to spell the word or we can actually speak into notes and get them to write down things for us and send them across and those sort of things. And that red underline in a Word document is an amazing help. So you separate the two. You separate the creative act of writing from the disciplines, I guess, of of learning spelling and grammar and structure. Yeah, and I think the, the, the difficulty is that some children will naturally be able to do that. They'll actually be able to plan their work with that part of the brain that does the creative thing and then they'll be able to go back and write it and actually use that other part that is able to look at structure and spelling. But a lot of children can't. And a lot of children will have such trouble with the actual the structure of what they're writing that it just drains their creativity. It becomes so much work to physically write that they just so have trouble getting it out. And so you end up with these really stilted, short pieces And if you actually talk to the children and say, okay, tell me the story, tell me your idea, they just go into these amazing things that we're just not able to capitalise and get onto paper. Here's an interesting suggestion from one emailer. How about saying to the child, great story, it's so lively and the characters are interesting, don't you think? I'd love to print it out for other people to read. Would you like that? And then now let's edit it for publication. Uh, are they, are they, it, it is, isn't it? It separates it. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it of, separates it from, as we said, the flow and the fun of writing from more of the discipline side of editing for publication. Yeah. And one of the big things is, as an author, the process of actually making a book goes from the creative to then goes to editors and goes to publishers, and it goes through those steps. And it's important. That's one of the things I talk to children about. I say, look, I've got someone else that always looks at my work before I print it. You've got that in a teacher. You've got that in a parent. But I think the big thing for teachers and parents alike is to let children write and then let them read you their story, let them share that story first before we jump in and try and actually pull it all apart.
Here's another one that made me think um, back to something we were talking about earlier as well. Uh, this is from Mark. I'm dyslexic, but it made me a top graduate at design school. I'm writing my memoirs. Um, do we need to broaden the idea of writing stories? And it's happening more and more with the revival of sort of graphic stuff. You know, can, Do stories just have to be words? Do we let people illustrate as they go along or have a mix of, of words and illustrations? Whatever works for the child to get the story out. Absolutely. And, and one of the amazing things with working with Ashka, who's the illustrator for this story, she worked with 70 children or so in Western Australia. And what she did, she shared the story and her illustrations that she started with and then had the children write their own stories based on characters and based on ideas in this story. And so she ended up with all these other stories. And then with the children worked on little characters and little ideas and inserted those into the story. And so if you look at the illustrations of the book, in the background there's actually some text in some of the pages and that's actually stories from real children, a lot of whom had learning difficulties and dyslexia. And then there's extra little characters throughout the story that are actually part of their story as well and sort of the end pages and little tiny pieces that are fit in there as well. Another emailer pointing out the Captain Underpants series is written from the perspective of a child and has lots of spelling mistakes. Um, there was another one here that I spotted that I wanted to read to you. My son is dyslexic. He can read books, car manuals, etc. What frustrates him most is writing. He knows how an unfamiliar word sounds and can recognise the correct spelling when it's listed out among other words, but the killer is that he doesn't know how it is written so cannot spell it out in ways that are useful for using a dictionary. Once it's spelt yeah. correctly, he has no problem with alphabetizing rules used in a dictionary. The block is spelling the word, the word correctly. I'm interested in creating an app which uses voice recognition to overcome this problem uh, as an altruistic tool myself if anyone's interested in following up. Um, does that, is it, it's a particular step of the process for this child. But it's one of those, like, even um, I've got, I teach year six currently and I have a couple of children in my class who actually just use their iPad and on notes they can actually press the microphone and, and talk to it and it gives it in sentences. And so it makes that writing process really quick and what they do, they, they talk to it, it gets it out, their ideas quickly, they then email it to themselves and they go through and they try and edit those words and a couple of them are like that. Some children can look at a word and say that's spelt correctly, that's not spelt correctly, where others will just not have any hmm. idea of how the sounds go and it's one of those things where if dyslexia was a very narrow thing, if exactly they were all the same and all cases were the same, it would be a really easy difficulty to get over. And often it's not. There's a big variation in what dyslexia is and how some children read and how some children try and construct. So there's never going to be one simple set of steps because it, it can be such a personal experience. Here's another. I have dysgraphia. Uh, and I had a wonderful teacher who would mark me separately for story content and for the spelling. I've just completed my PhD. It's an interesting one. I don't know how we mark writing these days, but that's um, that is a, that's a, an interesting approach as well. Do you ever use rote with your students? You've just said children literally see words differently and, and identify things differently. Some are very visual. They see the patterns and they're away. Um, for others, the sounding out, the phonics works. For others, you know, the context might help. Uh, what, what methods do you use in the class? And is there any word, any room for rote still? I, I think there is because some children still will learn that way and it's one of those things where as a teacher in this age we try and use as much as possible and one of your previous emails sort of said how they've seen phonics come back and it's one of those things 
often when you have a teacher who's been teaching for a while, they're still using the tools that they had years ago with some students and looking at modern things for new students. And there's a very big differentiation in classrooms these days. And there's a lot of teachers who are very willing to say, okay, we're all trying to have this end point, but how we get there is going to vary. And they look at the different students and help the different students find their own pathway to get there. Back to where we started, though, you have to want to do. You have to. You have to enjoy. That is the greatest motivator of all, and that is where you begin. Let the love of not just creating a story, but writing a story, flow, and then and then deal with everything else. And and it's the same with reading. If you, if you find something a child is passionately reading, it doesn't matter if it's a dirt bike magazine. If if a child is passionate about something, and you can encourage that in them, then the other things we can add on and we can add to. Thank you, Paul Russell. The book is my story, spelt however you like, actually. Spelt S-T-O-R-E-E. Uh, just because you can't spell doesn't mean you can't write as its subtitle. And Paul Russell's written it. Ashka is the illustrator. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 